Well, good morning. Uh, it's good to see everybody. Uh, everybody okay? All right. Everybody has this tentative kind of look on their face. So. All right, good. Well, uh, I'm excited to, uh, to be with you this morning to open up God's Word. If you have your Bible, go ahead and flip that open to Ephesians chapter 4 if you're not already there. Um, as you may have noticed, we have uh, taken a little bit of a pause in our um, series through the book of Romans, which we've been, th- we've been in for the past several months. Uh, but we're just taking a few week break, and then next week we're going to be diving right back into Romans. Um, so if you're, if you're looking forward to that, if you came ready for Romans today, I apologize. You get Ephesians, but, which is like many Romans, so it's okay. But, um, so today's, today's passage um, in Ephesians is, is one for me that um, it's sort of one of those foundational passages in my heart and in my life that I, I have to kind of keep coming back to uh, because it, it's, it's really Paul writing this book, this letter to this church and these people in Ephesus and that was passed around to other churches. But um, this particular text for me is something that has sort of helped to sort of set the course for me in my heart. And, but it's also one that I continually just forget. And I have to, every time I come back to it, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot, that's, that's what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Because any, when you're in ministry, in any capacity, and we're going to talk about what all this means as we get into it, but when you're serving the Lord, when you're part of the church, or whatever it is that you're doing, it's easy to sort of just lose focus and, and sort of major on the minors and, and minor on the majors sometimes. And so it's passages like these that, that sort of help to reorient us, sort of reset our course, um, when, when, as, we're, as we're going about the business that God has given to, to us to do. And so that's why I think it's important for us to kind of just keep coming back to texts like this, where, where Paul is very clear, God is speaking through Paul to, to say, hey, look, look, these are instructions for, for, for some of the, the larger tasks and the larger things that you should be thinking about, the larger things that you should be giving yourselves to as my people. And this is what it sort of means, right? These are, these are texts that shape a lot of other things that we do when we're part of the church. So, so as we dive into this today, I want us to try to keep that in our mind, like, because it, it helps us to think about what, really what ministry actually is, like what it is that we're even called to when, when, when we talk about ministry. Um, we use that word a lot, right? We use that word ministry a lot. We say it in a lot of different ways, like, hey, are you called into ministry? Or, hey, I really appreciate your ministry. Or all these, all these ways that we use this word. And, and oftentimes, when we, when we think about this word, I think, it has a sort of a, an air of maybe professionalism to it. We think of it as like a profession that somebody would go into, like ministry. Oh, you're going into the ministry. You are going to become a professional minister. We often equate that word to somebody who sort of gives their life to working in the church, like me or Scott, right? We are employed by the church to do a certain task that is in and around the world of ministry, right? And so we often think, okay, well, that must be what ministry is. And that's not entirely false. There's truth to that, certainly. Uh, hopefully what we're doing is related to ministry and, you know, like ministry uh, of the gospel in certain ways. But as we get into this, we're going to see that it's, it's probably a little bit, maybe that definition is probably a little oversimplified. When we think about what God has actually called his people to. It's broader than that. Um, we often think of it as maybe uh, somebody who goes into ministry as someone who's been given like a certain special gifting or a certain special set of gifts that they use in the ministry. 
This is, I don't believe, what we see in this text. It's not what God intends. When we see that word ministry show up in this text, it's not what we see. That's not the definition that we, that we get. And so, just to give a little context of, of where we find ourselves here in this book, Paul, as we mentioned, is writing this letter. And in typical Paul fashion, he tends to have a pattern what he writes his letters in, right? The, the beginning of this letter, uh, Paul is unpacking these grand and glorious truths about God, about who God is and God's plans and God's, uh, the way that God saves his people. The first couple of chapters, right? Ephesians 1 is like the, the grand glory of God's grace on display through his planning and, and sending Jesus to save his people and adopt the people into his family. In chapter 2 talks about how you know, it shows us who we are apart from, from God, that we were, we were children of wrath, that we were dead in our sins, and, and Jesus comes and he makes us alive. Gives us new hearts, and God seats us with Him in the heavens. Like all these grand and glorious truths, these in, these indicatives, right? That God is declaring to be true. That we are saved by God's grace, and it's not our work that saves us. That we can't boast in what we do; we boast in what Jesus has done for us. All these things are huge; they're massive. In chapter three, he's talking about this this mystery that's unveiled through God's church and His people. I mean, these are, these are big things. And as he usually does in his letters, he, he has this, this shift. Like the beginning of the letter, he's, he unpacks. Okay, don't forget these things. Remember the gospel. Remember who God is. Remember who, what He's done. Remember who He says that you are now. And then he, and then he usually shifts and says, okay, now in light of all of that, here's, here's how you live. There's usually that, that therefore somewhere in his letters that says, okay, in light of everything that I just said, therefore, here's what that means for you as you try to live that out in your life. And we see that here. We see a big, giant, hefty, therefore, at the beginning of chapter 4. He's, he's tying this to everything that he has just said about these grand truths about God and the gospel and Jesus saving us. And right at the beginning of the chapter, he says, in verse 1, I, therefore... Paul, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Basically saying, I'm urging you, because of everything that I just said, because the gospel is true, because you've been saved by it, because God is who He is and you are who you are now, walk now in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Basically saying, deal with each other in the same way that God has dealt with you. And he gives some examples and some shape to what that looks like, right? With all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. All these things are giving shape now to what that means to walk in a manner worthy. The way that God interacts with us, He's patient with us and He's long-suffering with us and He's gentle with us and he, he, He's eager to, to love us and to maintain unity with us and with Himself, right? The, the, the Godhead has great unity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's unity there. And so God's saying, because of all of this, this is what the shape of your living together should look like. As you walk this out amongst each other, look to Jesus, look to, look to the Father and the way that He has dealt with you to give shape to how you deal with one another. And then he goes on 
And he talks about this incredible unity that we have, that, that Jesus purchased for the church. The chapters before, he's describing how these walls of hostility have been broken down between us and the Lord. Now the walls have been broken down between us so we can become one. We can become unified under God. There's nothing that has to divide us anymore once we're in Christ. Everything else takes a, second, a secondary seat to our identity in Christ. That's the, most, that's the most important thing that we have in common in this room. If you know Jesus, and I know Jesus, that's the most important thing that we have in common, is what he's saying. This unity that's been given to us and purchased by Jesus. And God intends for his people to be unified in this. In verse 7, he talks about these gifts that Jesus gives to his people. That he, that he, that he gives gifts as he sees fit according to his measure, that he, he says, I'm, I'm going to be the one that's in charge of who gets what gifts, and I know what's best for every person. And nobody gets short, shorted, nobody gets extra, everybody gets exactly what they need, what I see that is going to be best for them in the best context that I have placed them in. Jesus is in charge of that. So all this, he's, like, he's walking us through these big, big, these big things, and he's bringing us to this place where we are in our text today. Paul begins to talk about what our goal is in the church and how it happens. What's our goal and how does that happen? This is like high-level stuff. Everything else kind of falls in underneath this. High-level goals of the church here. So he starts out in verse 11 and he gives this list. He gives this list. And we don't have a lot of time to dive into this because this can get tricky. But he gives us this list of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. There's different ways that people interpret this list. Um, there's, different, there's different ways that you can, you can look at this. But I, we'll just simplify it and say this. If somebody shows up and says, hey, I'm an apostle, you should be very cautious. right? Be very cautious. If they say, hey, I'm Apostle Andrew Dempsey, you go, mm, okay. We need to pump the brakes a little bit, right? So there's lots of ways that we can look at it. But if you see a poster for an event and it says, hey, Apostle Myra Dempsey is going to be there, just give it a pause, okay? That's the simplified way that we'll kind of look at this. And there's, there's different ways that we can interpret this, but we don't have time to sort of dive deep into it. But no matter how we see this list, and I have my opinions, others probably disagree with me, um, about, about what he's trying to communicate through this list, whether all of these things are still existent today or uh, all these gifts in the same offices. Like, there's different ways that you can look at it, right? But, but when, we, when we really look at it, the, the thrust of what I want to communicate to us today is that God has given people to the church for a specific role. Leadership within the church, within a to accomplish a specific role within the church. And that role is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Okay? And in our context here at Cross City, primarily we see that as those last two, right? Shepherds and teachers. And we kind of combine that into one as a pastor. Right? We have pastors at our church who our primary job as pastors is to shepherd the flock and to equip the saints for the work of ministry. This is, this is how we've interpreted this in our context here. We talk about the other ones another day. But for today, this is our, 
This is our focus, right? That not necessarily the who, but the what, right? The job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So what does that mean? Well, let's think about that. That means that God hasn't just called pastors and teachers into ministry. It means that he has called all of us into ministry. Right? The, the ministry is not something that you bring people to me and Scott and Wes and Joel and say, okay, you guys minister to these people. And we're, we're going to stand back and watch. That's, that's, not, that's not what we see here, right? God is saying, no, no, actually, I'm calling all of you into this ministry, and I'm, I'm, I'm gifting certain people to, to help equip you to do that, but the main function of ministry is done by God's people, the saints, all of God's saints, every single one. There's no exceptions to that. This is really important. God calls all of his people into ministry. This is why we get up here every week, and we open up God's word, and we preach. We say, here's what God says in his word. That's one way that we think this is the one way that we can equip the saints to do the work of ministry, to preach and proclaim God's word. This is why we do learning weeks. This is why we do intro classes. This is why we do all of these things that we, that we, put, we spend our time doing. These aren't just things that we can, th- okay, well, we got to do something here, right? We're a church, so we better figure out some programs and some things to do. No, no, we, we, we sit back and we say, okay, how can we actually equip God's people, the saints, to, to, to do the work of ministry? commission them and send them out into wherever they are so that they can be ministers of reconciliation. This is really important. That's why we do all of these things. It's one of the main reasons behind everything that we do. We do this because we believe this verse to be true. That God has called all of you, if you know Jesus, into his ministry. Okay? Fair. So what then is the work of ministry? <laughs> Fair question, right? Okay, you're saying everybody's called into ministry. So what is that? What is the work of ministry? Well, it tells us right here. Verses 12 and 13. What is the work of ministry? Let's read it for ourselves. As I, I'm, I'm using an iPad for the first time today, so I'm all over the place. But To equip the saints for the work of ministry... For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Catch that? What is the work of ministry? The work of ministry is building up the body of Christ to maturity. That's what he just said. That's what the work of ministry is. Building up the body of Christ into maturity. And that happens in a number of different ways. There's not one particular way in which that happens. That is, Paul just said, what the, what the ministry that God has called us to do is to build up the body into maturity. And now that's different than oftentimes what we think, right? It's different than how we often think of ministry. Or maybe you've, maybe you've heard ministry, right? Matthew 28, right? Jesus, right before he zaps up to heaven, or wherever he's at, heaven somewhere like that, the right hand of the Father, wherever that is. 
He tells him, he says to his disciples, he says, go and do what? We got to know this one. Make disciples, right? Go and make other disciples, right? Go out into the world as you're going, make more disciples, preach the gospel to them, share the faith with them. But he's not just saying make more converts. He says make more disciples, right? Make more disciples of Jesus. And he says to teach them all that I've commanded. It's more than just getting them in the door and then letting go, right? Taking our hands off. Okay, we got them in here. That's all that matters. We got them in here. We got them saved. Let's move on. Next person. No, no. He's saying it is that, yes, but it's also more than that, right? The ministry, that's when the ministry begins, not when the ministry ends. See the difference? We often think of it that way. Like, oh, the ministry is getting people in here and getting them saved. And once we get them saved, great, ministry's done. No, that's actually when the ministry starts. Ministry involves building up now the body of Christ to maturity. To maturity. We've been talking about a few weeks ago, Scott was talking about this idea of inviting, right? Inviting people in, inviting people to conversation. Inviting people into your MC, inviting people into our service, inviting people to know God's family, all these different ways and these different avenues of inviting people in. It's really important, right? We should, if we if we struggle to invite people in to God's family, if we struggle to invite people into Jesus, that, that, that should raise up a, a red flag in our hearts. Like, what, what am I, what am I actually believing? What am I actually thinking? Do I even do I think that this is worthwhile? Do I think that Jesus is good? We should ask ourselves these questions. It's really important. But inviting is just one step, right? Inviting isn't the totality of ministry. Inviting is, the, is, is a vital part of it. There's two extremes of it, right? There's, there's the extreme of, I never invite anyone because I don't care or I don't know how or whatever it is. And there's also the, the, the other side of it, right, is that I think that inviting is, only the, is the only ministry that I have to do. See, two extremes of it, right? We're looking for this middle, this middle spot where Jesus is calling us. Right? We're not called to make converts. We're called to make disciples, people who follow Jesus, people who look to him as their Lord, as their Savior, people whose lives are oriented around him, people who have been changed by him, not just people who, who show up and, and gather together on a Sunday morning. That's not what we're called to do. We're not called to build a crowd that meets for various events throughout the week. That's not what church is. The church meets at events throughout the week, but those events have meaning. Those events have purpose. And what are the purpose of those meetings? Why are we here? Are we here just so we can think that we can just check it off our list and God will go, oh, you, I saw you there on Sunday. Nice work. See you Wednesday. Is that, is, that the, is that what we see this as? Is that what we see being a part of the church as? Or maybe we, we kind of drift towards that? We have to examine our hearts in it. We have to examine. We have to ask the Lord to help us to see. Have I lost? Have I drifted from what the purpose is? Have I, have I, have I convinced myself? Or have I, have I just sort of wandered into this space where I think like, well, you know, I show up almost every Sunday, at least two out of four. I'm at most MCs, and I, and I bring my assigned dinner item. And, like, right, we, we can sort of just get into this rhythm where we're like, I'm doing all the things, right? And Jesus is saying, okay, yes, like, 
Don't neglect that. <laughs> Don't neglect to gather. But let's not forget the goal of why we're gathering, why we get together, why God has put us together. There, there, there's deeper things that God intends for us. He wants to draw us out. He wants to grow us. He wants to mature us is what he's saying. He want, I want my people to be mature. I want them to have maturity. What does this maturity look like? What does maturity look like? Well, it tells us again. Maturity looks like Jesus. Maturity looks like Jesus. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The measure is the stature of the fullness of Jesus. That's what God wants to grow us up into. So what does that, what does that tell us? Well, that means that we're all involved in this and no one has arrived. No one's arrived. Sometimes it can feel like, oh man, well, I mean, Kevin, he's like way more mature than me. He's, he's got to be like, I mean, Calvin, Joel, I mean, these guys are like, they're like blowing me away. Like I feel so like embarrassed to even be around them sometimes. No, Jesus is saying, no, no, we all come together to grow up, not into the fullness of the stature of Wes. He's pretty tall. <laughs> but I think I'm a little bit taller than him. I don't know, maybe not. I mean, Scott's the tallest, but. but is that, so is it Scott? Is that the measure that we're all like, oh man, we got to just be like Scott. And everybody, or we got to be like Andrew. We got to be like Corey. We got to be like Lynn or whoever. No, no. He's saying, no, 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 take your eyes off of each other in that way. Don't look to a person as the measure of the stature of the fullness of maturity. Even Paul, right? Paul says, hold on. Yeah, follow me, but follow me as I follow Jesus. Paul's like, I, I, I'm growing up into the fullness of the stature of Christ. I'm not arrived. <laughs> Even Paul says that. So he's telling us like, hey, guys, everyone's involved in this. Everyone has room to grow. Everyone, has, everyone enters in to this thing of Christianity as a child. Everyone, everyone comes in, whether you, whether you come to know Jesus at 6 or 60, you come in as a child, as an immature child, and that's okay. That's okay. That's, that's actually the way that God intends it to be. But he also doesn't intend for us to stay as children, right? That's why it's okay when we see all the kids scurrying around and it, when, they, when we come in here and they're all jumping on each other's backs and giving each other, you know, wet willies or whatever they do now, right? We can, we can look at that and we can go, okay, that, that makes sense for them. We're trying to teach them how to not do that, right? But that makes sense appropriate for them. But, but I'm not going to give Joel a wet willy. That would be a whole lot weirder, right? That would be like, dude, what, why would you do that? That's immature, right? You see the difference. It's okay. Right? God, God brings us all in as children. And he grows us up from there. And we have to keep, we have to keep this, this process in our minds. Everyone has room to grow. There's no professionals and amateurs. That's not how this works. There are, there are older brothers and younger brothers, older sisters and younger sisters. And we're all being raised and matured under the leadership of our Father. 
so that we will look like the image of our perfect big brother, which is Jesus. This is, this is the arena in which all of this happens. This is the context that God gives us. This is the goal. This is the direction that he's saying. You've got to point yourselves in this direction. It's about trajectory, right? So we come in as children, but it's not good if we remain there. It's not good if we're okay with just being there. He says, actually, it's dangerous if we stay there. If we've, if we've known Jesus for, for 20 years, and, and spiritually we're largely the same as we were 20 years ago, that's probably not a good thing. He's, and he tells us why. It's actually not good. He gives us this example of, of a child out in the ocean. Or if you're like me, I didn't get to the ocean a lot when I was a kid. We lived in Ohio. But I did get to Wyandotte Lake. Right? Or maybe some of you might call it Zumbezi Bay now. But, but back in the day, it was called Wyandotte Lake. And at Wyandotte Lake, they had a wave pool. If you've been in the giant wave pool, you know what I'm talking about, right? For me, that was my context. I wasn't at the ocean. I was in Wyandotte Lake wave pool. And we know that it would be foolish for us to just toss a kid out into the deep end of the Wyandotte Lake wave pool. When, those, when that bell rings and those waves start, stuff starts happening, right? It starts popping off in there. It gets crazy real quick. If you're not ready, if you're not prepared, you can be in real trouble. Even for a, a, a larger adult person, if you don't know how to swim, if you're not expecting it, if you don't know that you just, the secret is to go over by the wall so you can dive through the waves better, these are the tricks that you've got to learn. We know that, right? We, we, this picture is easy for us to understand, right? A child out in the ocean, and he gives us this picture of this child just being tossed back and forth by the waves. What are the waves? The waves are... This, this bad doctrine, right? These deceitful schemes of man. The things that God knows are out there that are seeking to distract us, to turn our, our faces away from Jesus. These, these bad uh, theological ideologies and all of these things that, that are out there that if, if, we're not, if we're not maturing, then we're going to be very susceptible to, he says. We're going we're gonna to feel, feel very tossed back and forth like ah, the real truth and this other thing that sounds good and the real truth and, oh, man, this other thing that sounds good. Right? That's, that's, that's the picture that he's giving us. Like, here's, here's God's truth. But here's this other thing that sounds really good to me and I really kind of hope is true in my flesh. And we're just tossed back and forth, right? This is the picture of this, the immature believer who, man, people who use God's word for, for evil purposes even. There's a lot of bad doctrine out there. There's people who use the Bible for despicable things, evil things, in the name of the church or in the name of God or the name of Christianity. And, they, and if, if we're not maturing and we're not able to recognize the difference he says we're, we're in danger we're susceptible to being tossed back and, and forth and maybe even taken under by the waves if we're not mature we'll maybe we'll be enticed by it 
We go, ooh, that sounds pretty good. Man, that kind of, that kind of, the, the Bible uses the, this terminology of like tickling my ear. Like people, people are looking for the immature believers or the people who think they're believers and are not really believers. They're looking for people that will say things that will sort of tickle their ears and go, ooh, that sounds nice. That sounds like what my flesh wants to hear. And so I'm going to go after that. But God is calling us into deeper waters. He's calling us into deeper things. And he's calling us into maturity to be able to recognize and say, hold on. Like, this sounds good at first, but when I compare it to these other things in God's word, it doesn't seem to be lining up. And so we're able to discern. We're able to have people around us who are able to discern. Vitally important. Jesus is calling us, our Father is calling us into this growth. He's calling us into this trajectory of growth. Sometimes that trajectory looks a bit like the stock market. You ever like zoom out on the graph of the stock market and it's like, whoa, man, that thing's been going up for a long time. But when you start to zoom in, you see this. It's like up, down, up, down, up, down. down. And over time, it's going up. But when you zoom in, it's like, man, that day really dropped. That day was pretty high, That day, right? This is sort of what I, it feels like our Christian lives can be like sometimes. As we're going through it, it's like, man, I just had a terrible day. And tomorrow's like, man, I had a really great day. The next day, man, I had two terrible days in a row, and I had four great days, right? It's like, but when we zoom back and we see the, the work that God is doing in us over time, it's like, oh, wow, I actually have been growing over this past year, over these past five years, over these past decade, and I, I don't recognize myself from 10 years ago. Even though in, in the day-to-day, it feels like nothing's really happening. You don't really notice your kids as they're growing until they go away to summer camp for a week and they come back and you're like, whoa, you grew like three inches. Right? You ever have that one friend that grew like four inches over the summer and you're like, what? That was me, by the way. We don't notice it in the, in the day-to-day as much, but, but God is calling us into this trajectory of growth by His Spirit. The Spirit is growing us. So how does this happen? How does this growth happen? Because it, he's, he's giving us this indication that the growth cannot happen. Or it can go really, really slow. Or it can be stunted. Or we can be distracted. Or we can be led astray by certain things. How do we... How do we keep pressing into this growth that God has for us through His Spirit? Well, He says the method of this ministry is through speaking, the, speaking God's truth to one another in love. This is what He says. Verse 15. Rather, and He's saying that in, in response to the, the kid being tossed back and forth by the waves, right? Instead of being like that, immature, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up, and notice what he says next, in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So this is interesting. This is a fully loaded sentence that he just dropped on us, right? So instead of being immature, instead of being this child tossed to and forth by the waves, constantly like in panic mode about, I don't know what I believe, what do I do, I'm being led astray by all these things, or maybe not even noticing it. 
He says, instead of that, rather, what we should be doing is speaking the truth, God's truth, the truth of God's gospel, his word, into each other's lives, into our hearts and our minds, in love. And, and remember the word love, right? This is agape love. This isn't just like, oh, you're that cute puppy love. No, it's I'm committed to you love. It's agape love. Speaking the truth in committed agape love towards one another, we are to grow up in every single way. In every single way, right? So every area of our heart, every area of our mind, Every area of our life, there are no areas of the map that go dark. There's no closets in the house that we seal off. It's every way, every single spot, every single nook and cranny is now exposed to Jesus. He shines his light on it under his lordship. He's, he's claiming it as his. That's what it means to follow Jesus, right? It's, it's looking to him as our savior to justify us back to God and submitting to Him as our Lord and looking to Him now as for our direction, for our life. This is what it means. So we, so we, we do that, and we do that for each other. We do it to each other, right? We speak this truth to one another. This is what he's saying. This is, how, this is one of the main ways that this happens. That this, the, the God's word comes to us, whether it's from somebody up here, whether it's through somebody in your DNA, whether it's through somebody over coffee, whether it's somebody on your couch, whether it's on the phone, whether you're tech, whatever it is, like God's truth, God's gospel, his word goes back and forth. It's the currency that he's given us to feed one another, to grow one another through his spirit, his spirit using it in our hearts to shape us into his image to make us more and more like Jesus speaking the truth of God into one another but here's what that doesn't mean right we hear that term hey speaking the truth in love and some of us go oh sweet this is my chance right like and now I get to yeah it's like Festivus right Got a lot of problems with you people. And now you're going to hear about it, right? It's not like, hey, guess what? You got bad breath. Hey, I'm just speaking the truth to you in love, man. just need you to know that. You smell, right? Like, okay, it's, it's deeper than that, right? It's like, I love you enough to tell you that you dress terribly. It's, it's, it's deeper. It's more than just that. Even if they do dress terribly or they smell bad, right? This is not what this is talking about. That's a whole different thing. should probably still tell them that, by the way. But nicely, in love. So it doesn't mean that we just say mean things to people and be like, well, I'm just telling you the truth because I love you. It also doesn't mean that we just rattle off a bunch of Christianese, right? Just trite Christian phrases that we've heard people say, we've heard on the river, we've heard somewhere, right? The river's fine. Listen to the river. It's fine. Let go and let God, right? We say all these things that sound nice and they're cliche and they're probably true by and large. But we're just rattling off things that we've heard other people say without any real like understanding of the person that we're talking to. We're not, 
we haven't helped them to see their heart in light of God's word. We haven't, we haven't heard them fully tell their story and what they really are struggling with and what's behind it, what's underneath it. We're just rattling off Christian-y things to them. Like, yeah, I'm just, I, I was able to minister to them today. I, I just rattled off some Christianese to, to somebody that I was sitting with. Jesus is saying, no, we gotta, we got to push in a little deeper than that. The truth that we're talking about here is the gospel itself. It's God's good news. Jesus says in John 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As he's praying to the Father, like your word, God, is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Sanctify, grow them up in the truth. The truth is your word. <laughs> Jesus is pretty concise with it, much more concise than me. And notice, notice the phrase back from Ephesians, right? That we are to grow up in every single way. It's, it's crucial, right? That means that there are no areas of our lives that are untouched. This means two things. One, it means that we are, we're going to have to live with each other in such a way that we can actually see each other's lives in a meaningful way. If I don't know you, I'm not able to really speak the truth to you in an actually loving way. I can say true things to you. And they may or may not be helpful. I can throw darts at the board and hope one of them hits the bullseye. But if I don't really know you, it's going to be tricky for me to actually understand. The second thing, we're going to need to know how to speak the truth of the gospel into every area of our life. We're going to need to know how the gospel connects to our lives. How does it connect to my work? How does it connect to my marriage? How does it connect to my parenting? How does it connect to my finances? How does it, does it, does it even have anything to say to those spaces? Or is the gospel simply to me just the diving board into the pool of Christianity and then everything else we just kind of figure out on our own? God is saying, my, my truth is what sanctifies you. And it sanctifies you in every way. Every aspect of your life, every facet. My truth has something to say to it. And it's not always super easy for us to make those connections. So it's really important for us. This is why we talk about this all the time. This is why we, we say we're planning for our MC gatherings, right? It's like, hey, think about a time where you can sort of rehearse the gospel with each other. Remind each other of what the gospel is. Kick these things around in your brain. Let the Lord teach you and show you. Discover what, from one another. Learn from somebody. Learn from somebody who understands how the gospel connects to their work. Learn from somebody who understands how the gospel impacts their marriage and their parenting and their finances and sit down with them and say, hey, how do you, how do you bring the gospel into this space of your life? Because I want to I do what Jesus says, right? I want to grow up in every way. I don't want to just grow up in my attendance. I don't want to just grow up in being able to give things away. Those are good things, but I want to grow up in every way. We have to be able to to, to, to know how to speak the truth of gospel into every area of our lives. Now, some of you may remember there's an old TV show called Mad TV. And if you don't, just think like Great Value Saturday Night Live. But they used to have this, when I was in high school, they had this old skit show where they had this, and one, I remember one particular sketch that they were doing. 
And it was the lady, she goes into this like therapist's office. She's getting counseling or something. <laughs> she goes in and uh, she sits down and the guy sits down, Bob Newhart. He sits down next, across from her if you know who that is. Um, and, he, and, there, and he's the counselor and she's sitting down and, and he goes, okay, tell me what the problem is. She goes, well, okay, uh, my, I have this really great fear and this fear is that I'm really terrified of being buried alive. It's impacting my life. I'm having trouble, like, driving through tunnels. I can't get into elevators. Like, any sort of tight space, like, I just panic, and I can't really function. Like, I, I just have this fear, and it's overtaking me. And he goes, oh, okay. He's kind of listening. And, and he's like, well, um, sounds like you're dealing with claustrophobia. Uh, and he's like, well, okay, well, I'm going to give you two words, and they're going to help you understand how to not be claustrophobic and she's like oh it's great thank you she's like should I write should I write it down and he's like no no you, you'll remember right and he goes okay are you ready she's, he's like stop it <laughs> and she's like what he's like yeah stop it stop stop it just stop being claustrophobic you want to go through your whole life afraid of getting into elevators just stop it right and obviously that's the joke right like we know that when, when we're dealing with deep matters of a person's heart and soul and life, it's not adequate for us to just look at them and go, dude, just stop it. What, do you, what is wrong with you? Why don't you just quit doing that thing and do a different thing? It's funny, but it's not, right? Because this is often how we think about one another as we... As we come to one another and you know somebody has a, a sin problem and I'm dealing with this sin that's in my life I, I'm just having trouble like overcoming this and, and shaking it what do I do oh we just go we'll stop doing that thing and do a different thing like that's that's not speaking the truth to a person in love right that's it's not helpful <laughs> even if it's even if that's what they should actually do it's not helpful for us to just say well stop it No, we've been talking about this for a while. The things that we do result from the things that we believe, right? The things that we believe to be true about God and who He is and what He's done for us. Who we, who we, where we see ourselves in life. The, the greater things that we believe are the things that impact what we do. So we have, to, we have to be able to speak the gospel into those things. We have to look at into each other's hearts and, and minds and say, okay, what are your areas of, of unbelief? What are the things that you're not believing correctly about who you are or who God is or what God has done for you? And be able to speak the truth of the gospel into those areas so that we can repent, right? We can, we can repent, not just stopping doing what we're doing and doing something else, but actually repent, which is to change our minds and our hearts away from those things and toward Christ. This is our task. This is what Paul tells the Galatians, right? Like, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing in faith? You, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being... Erected by the flesh? Are you being built up by the flesh now? No. We, we, we speak the truth of God through God's Spirit into the hearts and minds of our brothers and sisters. And God uses that truth to collide with the areas of unbelief in our own hearts and minds. And we go, oh yeah, I'm actually believing that I'm in control and not God. I'm actually believing that, right, that I control my own destiny in, instead of God or right, whatever it is. And we're able, to, we're able to, in God's wisdom and in the wisdom of His Word, speak it into the, one another's hearts and minds and lives. 
Romans 12 says that we are transformed by what? By the renewing of our minds. In and through God's word being proclaimed to us. In meaningful ways, in helpful ways, through the, through the, through the spirit, not through the flesh. The flesh is no help at all. So what is this telling us? One, that God is calling all of us into ministry. And there's a seat at the table for every person who knows Jesus. God has a role for you to play in his ministry. Every single one, whether you're eight years old or 80 years old, there's a role. God's calling you into his ministry. And that ministry is going to involve helping your brothers and sisters grow up into Christ in every way. And so we give ourselves to that. And we give ourselves to his truth. We give ourselves to his word so that the spirit can use it in our own hearts to share it with our brothers and sisters. This is why he's called us together so that we can grow up together. It's all hands on deck. Right? Everyone gets a role. Everyone gets a job. Everyone gets a place. The body, as he says, the body which is being joined together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Each part, every person, the person, people are the parts. That's what he says in Corinthians. There's feet, there's hands, there's knees, there's eyes, there's mouths. Some are louder than others. But every person has a role to play. And that's what God is calling you into. He's saying, come be a part of the ministry. Come be a part of helping your brothers and sisters grow. Come be a part of helping the body grow. Come be a part of welcoming other people into God's family. Come be a part of it. There's a role for you. Nobody gets to sit on the sidelines. Nobody should want to sit on the sidelines. This is where joy is found. It, the, the body is building itself up in love. And it's not going to function properly if we're not, in, if we're not participating together. This is how God has intended it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would help us, teach us what you want us to know. Help us to rest in you and not in our own strength. And not see this, what we've talked about today, as a new work for us to accomplish, but a thing for us to, to come to you and receive before we try to do your stuff. We have to receive from you first. So help us, Lord. Teach us, grow us in every way. Help us to be able to live together in such a way that we can see and know and love each other well and speak your truth into the hearts of our brothers and sisters. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.